Hello, welcome to the Patient Activation Network podcast. I'm your host, Matt Cavallo. I have with me today, Kayla Reddick. Kayla is a film producer and cancer survivor. Kayla, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. Before we get going, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Absolutely, so like you said, my name's Kayla. I just turned 30. I am now a filmmaker, I guess, but I have no background in that. I just found a project, uh, or I guess created a project that I was really passionate about and became a filmmaker to get the message out. Let's talk a little bit about your personal journey and what inspired you to make that film. So take us back to your initial diagnosis. How old were you and what was going on with you at the time? So I was 24 years old. It was springtime and I had been feeling off for a couple weeks. All of my friends told me, you're probably depressed. That didn't really sit right with me. Uh, I knew I had night sweats. I didn't know why. My dad tells the version, the next part of the story, saying that his daughter did self-exams at 24, and he's so proud of me. The reality of it is I was just laying in bed one night feeling my boobs, and I felt a lump in them. And uh, totally freaked out. I did what any 24-year-old does, though. I called my friends, and they all told me I was being dramatic or there was nothing to worry about. I called my mom. She's the one who told me to call my doctor because I really didn't know what to do after I found the lump. And from that moment on, it was a fight to get a diagnosis because the first doctor I saw told me I was too young to have cancer. They didn't want to do any tests. Even the techs doing the tests, they could tell that it wasn't a cyst, but they said I was too young to do a mammogram. I barged into that mammogram room and said, just do it anyways. And it was then her face changed right away. And she said, you need to go see a breast surgeon immediately. And it was from then on that uh, I really realized that there's not really a place for the young adult in the cancer experience. There's a lot of care for pediatrics and then geriatrics and the older adults, but this young adult population often slips through the cracks, and that's what I found myself as a part of, and uh, that's what I've set out to hopefully change the experience for. Wow, and I can't imagine that fight. I mean, you had the obvious signs and symptoms. What was it that finally said, we need to listen to her? It wasn't until they did the biopsy and it came back showing that it was cancer that finally I was taken seriously. And that was really frustrating and scary and just a huge wake-up call because you're taught, you know, trust the doctors, trust, you know, do whatever the police officer says, follow the teacher, everything like that in life. And to learn that maybe the doctors didn't always know what was best and they didn't always know what was going on. And so I had to become my advocate. Yeah, you had to make your voice heard. And once your voice was heard, what what happened next? What did you go through? So from there, I started chemotherapy and uh, a funny experience there. I spent one day in the chemo pods and never again because I looked around and I saw everyone my grandparents' age. And I said, this isn't for me. And I had a private room from there on. I did six months of chemo. Uh, after that, I had a double mastectomy. We threw a bye-bye boobies parties. I think it was called ta-ta to the titties, actually. Um, and to, to say goodbye to those. Uh, after that, I had radiation for six to seven weeks. And uh, I'm on the 10-year hormone therapy plan now that uh, has, has me in menopause uh, starting in my 20s. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a lot to unpack here, and uh, we went through it kind of fast, but I really want to kind of, you know, focus on some of the great things that happened, like, like the friends, the parties. It seems like once you got sick, the whole community kind of got behind you. 
Yeah, so I think they have maximum capacity on ho um, hospital rooms, probably about four people. And I brought anywhere up to about 20 to 30 friends per appointment uh, from day one. And we had all the ingredients for a good party, but there's still something very awkward about getting chemo because I was getting pumped full of poison, often fall asleep. And so it still wasn't that fun, even though I was surrounded by great people. So we turned them into theme parties. And if you wanted to come, you had to be in a full costume. And so we did themo instead of chemo. Uh, the whole hospital ended up embracing it, too, which was really cool. I had patients come into my room, and they would not let me leave treatment that day until they knew what next week's theme was going to be so they could participate in it, too. Um, my school that I was teaching at, at the time got involved. So it really took a village to get me <laughs> through cancer. Um, but I'm so thankful that I had one ready to go and fight with me. So what were some of those themes? Yeah, so we, uh, we did my favorite things, which I ripped off of Oprah. Um, so I was able to give out all these presents, like, you know, you get a car, you get a car, except it was like a fuzzy blanket instead of a, a car. Um, and we were in all Black Hawks apparel because I was a big hockey fan at the time. Uh, we had prom night, which I wore this massive quinceanera dress, all pink and sparkly, and a limo picked my friends and I up. Uh, what else we do? We did 80s. Uh, I've... There's a picture of me passed out in a hospital bed with a mullet. Um, we did all kinds of crazy fun things. Uh, but, yeah, prom night was a really special one. And then the last one, just to be able to get back to the hospital. And, and you know, one of the things that happens when you go through a significant event like this is the community rallies. Wasn't there something about that Quintanera prom night experience that, that was really kind of special from, from somebody you didn't know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, to touch on the experience for myself, I was probably the first cancer patient in history that said, I cannot wait till chemo next week. And I would wake up the day of chemo just so excited and raring to go. And everyone else around me followed suit for the most part. And so they got to be a part of something bigger than themselves, which is always so rewarding. Um, but it gave them a chance to laugh and have fun while their friend was going through something horrible. And, and we all really needed that. And even outside that, I, wasn't there something about a dress? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so funny story how I got the prom dress. I went into the city of Chicago looking for a huge crazy gown. I found one. I tried it on as a joke. It's all pink and frilly. And I, I kid you not, it probably weighs 30 pounds. And uh, I was communicating to these women who didn't speak English. You know, I just want this dress for one day. Can I borrow it? I tried to give them all my credit cards just to put it on hold. Uh, they ended up letting me borrow it for a day. And when I went to return it, I found out later that my friend had actually purchased it for me. And so I'm still a proud owner of a massive pink ball gown. <laughs> and, you know, these experiences, it's, you can't help the fact that you got cancer. You can't help the fact that you got it at such a young age. But the way that you've handled it and gone through it is just truly amazing and inspiring. When did you decide to start documenting it on film? So for my experience, I, I took a lot of pictures. I mean, so I was going through it in 2013. Instagram was just starting to really become a thing. So, uh, you know, when you're bald, you get a lot of likes. So that, that, that's fun and encouraging me to keep kept taking pictures and kept documenting it. And um, it was the easiest way also to feed information to the masses. And so instead of having to make all those calls, I could just kind of record a video or take a picture, write a caption, 
send it out to people so they knew what was going on. And uh, I didn't know that it would serve for a greater purpose, but in 2015, that's when Vincible, the documentary, was born, and that's when I really started capturing everything with a purpose and capturing all these other young adult stories. We're talking to Kayla Reddig, the, the creator of the film Vincible. I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about that film right now. Um, you know, I, I understand that it's a very interesting film, that it's, it's kind of shot in different ways. Could, could you walk our listeners through what they would expect if they saw the film? Yeah, so like I said, I don't have a film background, no experience with it, uh, but I have an iPhone, and really that's what you need to make a movie these days. The cameras are phenomenal. Um, I, my roommate at the time, she took a film class in college and was like, hey, I can totally do this with you. And we set out to film for two weeks. We'd edit for two weeks in iMovie, and then we'd have a movie to show to the masses in a month. And uh, three years later, we, uh, we actually finished it and we have been able to show it now. But in the meantime, it meant teaming up with um, some people who were really talented professionals in the industry that just believed in what we were doing so much. And that's what's really cool is once you get a taste of this project, I think you just have to, people want to invest in it. People donated so much time and talents um, without anything in return other than hoping to change the experience for young adults to come. And where can people go to learn more about this project and some of the cool work that you're doing? So we do have a website. It's vincibletedocumentary.com. Uh, we're most active on our social media pages, uh, Facebook and Instagram. And uh, you can find out the most recent updates on that. Um, as far as being able to view the film, we have a trailer on the website. And uh, we're figuring out distribution right now. So we're hoping to get it streamable on some major platforms. So it can be in every home. We'll also have a, you know, DVD, Blu-ray sales. Um, and we've done a screening in Chicago. And we have one coming up next weekend, uh, Saturday, October 20th in Sacramento, California. And we'll make sure that we put all those links and resources on our podcast notes. So, you know, please, if you're in the... If you're in the Sacramento area, you know, definitely drop by and check that out. As we're starting to get towards the close here, uh, I want to circle back to some of the work you're doing with young adults. And, um, and really, how are you trying to change the conversation that providers are having to realize when somebody walks, like yourself, walks in at a young age that you might have a problem they, they don't expect? So Vincible has been all about exploring what happens when a young person faces an old person's disease, which is pretty much what cancer is. You know, I would go to doctor's appointments with handprints and balloons on the walls, and then I'd sit in a chemo pod with people who could be my grandparents. And so it was such an isolating experience, and isolation is just insidious. And so, I mean, my goals from this is, first of all, letting young adults go, who go through the cancer know that they're not alone. And then also encouraging people of power to create more age-appropriate resources for the young adult. Connect them with the resources. I know there are great ones already out there, but they're not presented to us. And that's a huge problem because they're not going to be able to do the good they can without that. Um, and then I really want people in power to just really know that this experience is different. And so we need to be treated like the age group that we are and the young adults that we are. When you're a young adult going through cancer, it's the same things in later in life plus all the awkward stuff that happens when you're just becoming a young adult. You know, how do you, 
How do you talk to your Craigslist roommate about your chemo that you're going through? How do you date someone? I can't tell you how many guys after my mastectomy was like, you don't have nipples? That's so weird. Like, what is that like? And I try and explain. It's just like Barbie, you know? But, like, that's really intimidating to take your shirt off in front of a man for the first time knowing that you look like some doctor science project, you know? And so, um, yeah, just really hopefully giving a voice to this population that gets overlooked and... So we get those age-appropriate resources, and this experience is changed for us. And for, for the young adults that are frustrated that their voice isn't being heard, or they know, just like you did, that you had something, but they weren't being listened to, what advice do you have to them? I think the most powerful thing, well, first of all, is just connecting. And social media is a great way to do that. We found so many people who are featured in the movie, as well as they found us just through our hashtags and through Instagram. And connecting with other young adults, personally for me, I tried breast cancer support groups. And it made me feel even more like a freak because everyone there was so much older than me and I couldn't relate to them. And then I tried to talk to my peers and we were just in completely different places in our lives. I mean, you grow up pretty quickly when you have cancer at 24. Um, and so I think if you f can find a young adult cancer population and community to join with, and I think you'll be really surprised with the impact it'll have in your life. Um, it's always great to find someone who's a little bit ahead of you in the cancer process to help kind of lead the way for you. Um, and then the biggest thing that I like to stress is survivorship. Survivorship is an ugly word. It's a horrible experience. Uh, but it won't be forever. And that's the time when we really need to hold our survivors close is right when they're out of treatment. And, and just because you're done with cancer doesn't mean that you're, you know, really free from the grasp of it. So be kind to yourself during that time and, and seek support. And even though you're cancer free, it's okay that you're still kind of going through all the aftermath of this ugly disease. I mean, there, there's so much wisdom there and, and so much great advice. Another, another topic you uh, touched on was being self-conscious and, and trying to get over that. You know, you might be feeling like less of a person or you might be feeling embarrassed or, or not, just not who you were before. What, what advice might you have to uh, young women or men that are facing these kind of surgeries and, and how do you kind of get past it? And, and become that confident person? Well, I want to start by saying I think it's really important for healthcare providers to realize that it's not normal to take your top off in front of six people, have them all fondle your breasts, including men that you don't know and didn't invite to do that, and the trauma that that can cause. And I just had to shut down physically and disconnect from my body because it was too much to have to go through that. And then afterwards, um, it was really hard for me to want to take care of myself because I was so disconnected. I had a lot of shame about how I looked, my physical limitations that I didn't have before and that I have now. And so uh, about two years ago, I enlisted in what who I call uh, my sex goddesses, the girls in my life who I just really admire and seem so full of confidence and love their bodies and stuff. And I, I put together a little team and they gave me, for a month, gave me daily challenges, anything from, you know, dancing in the shower to something to getting new hoop earrings and red lipstick and just all different kinds of things to really make a priority to get that connection back with myself and, and see that I am still beautiful. And even though I look different, that didn't change 
at least it didn't change negatively who I am on the inside. And I'm still Kayla. I might be Kayla with a lot more scars than I had before, but I am still me, and um, I'm proud of who, who I am. We're talking to Kayla Reddig, the filmmaker of the, the film Vincible. As we're coming to the close here, do you have any final thoughts you want to share with the audience? I would just really encourage people to recognize that these shift populations, these minority groups, we slip through the cracks so easily. And it's so important to just take a minute, whoever you're with, I don't care if you're a doctor or not, just when you're sitting with people, take time to sit with them in the gutter, sit with them in those tough moments. Know that you don't always have to say things. Sometimes we just want to be heard, but don't be afraid that just because you don't know how to help doesn't mean you shouldn't help. And sometimes helping just means, like I said, just sitting with someone, being there and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm here with you and we'll figure this out together. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, November, I will be five years cancer free. So big, big month coming up. Well, congratulations on that, and and we just love you here, and we're so inspired by your story, and we be we wish you the best of luck with not only this project, but with health and, and your future. Thank you so much for coming here today. Thank you so much for having me. She's Kayla Reddick. I'm Matt Cavallo. This has been the Patient Activation Network podcast. We look forward to bringing you another inspirational story soon. <laughs>